Hey, welcome back to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. This is episode 76. I am your host, Brandon Lachance. Thank you for tuning in to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We appreciate it. Every single listen, like, follow, all that good stuff. Thank you very much. That is from the bottom of my heart. This is another great show. The guest is St. B baseball coach Bill Booker. One of my favorite people to talk to. He has enthusiasm, energy, great personality. There's tons of laughs, tons of storytelling, tons of reminiscing, nostalgic moments that come to Bill Booker's mind. Just a great guy to talk to. I had to have him on the podcast, and he was nice enough to join us to chat about pretty much everything. We do sports. We do Corona, what is going on in his personal life, everything. Great man to talk to. Real quick, as we're talking about Corona, the IHSA had a meeting on Tuesday and decided to cancel the state tournaments for spring sports. Everybody kind of already thought this was going to happen. Let's face it, we're on lockdown. Or I guess quarantine is a, the more accurate, political, correct term. Businesses have closed down. There are no bars. Restaurants are only curbside pickup. Walmart is pretty much a curbside pickup business or they're limiting the number of people that are in there. We are in a crazy, crazy time right now. So it was kind of evident that there was not going to be a spring season. There are optimists who think that a spring season can still happen just a little later. But schools are not going back to session. Everybody is at home e-learning if you are in a school system. They are not going back. Teachers are not returning to the classroom for the calendar year at least. We don't know when they will be back. There could be school in the fall. We do not know. So with that, there are no practices. There hasn't been a single game for high school baseball or softball or track meet or anything like that. College got underway, got about probably like 10 to 15 games in depending on the program, and then they had to stop. Then they take away the state tournaments. So there's no beginning game. There's no end game. Why would there be a middle game? That is just my point of view. I would love to agree with the optimists and be like, yeah, we're going to see some ball games." But the realist in me is saying, no, it's not going to happen. I'm a firm believer that we just need to get this thing done. We need to quit putting timetables on stuff. That is my biggest issue with the government right now. Every political figure is like, oh, you know, the peak of this will be in April. Oh, well, it's not happening in April. Oh, the peak of it's going to be in May. Oh, you know what? No. The peak of it's going to be in June. And it goes on and on and on. You know, the stay-at-home orders are going to be turned around on this date. You know, the end of March. Uh, the beginning of April. The end of April. The beginning of May. The middle of May. Continually going on. Extending. Extending, extending, extending. What they're doing here is killing hopes of their own people. Of Americans in society. Like, hey, things are going to return to normal. Or as normal as we can be. I am a firm believer as well that our lives as we know it are not going to be the same. They could be similar, but there are going to be changes. There's no doubt about it. I don't see how there can't be. But to keep putting these dates out for people to say, hey, on this date, this is going to happen, and then it doesn't. I'm at work or I'm around people that are planning golf trips or vacations or doing this because in their mind, they were told that this is going to change by this date, and then it doesn't. And then they're freaking out because they spent money on a ticket or did this for this and this isn't happening. And the people that should be held responsible for that are the people putting dates on things that are not obtainable, that are not realistic. Yes, you would like for that to happen by then, but are the things that need to happen by then happening? 
No, they're not. Cases of COVID-19, the coronavirus, are going up. They are not declining. They are not. There are people in this country all over that still have it and are dying from it. And people think that states are going to open up and be back to normal right now during it. How is that even possible? Why even go into a quarantine, a lockdown, if you're going to start opening up stuff before it's gone? That makes no sense whatsoever. The timetable should be, let's stay to ourselves, social distance, go home. If you have to go to work, stay out of 10 feet from each other. They say six, I'm going to go 10. Don't be around people. Get your money, go home. And if we all did that, this thing would die out. But the problem is people don't listen. People still somehow think that this is a joke or a political scheme, which I don't know how you can still see that. Maybe at the beginning, I kind of thought like, ah, you know, crack some jokes, read some memes. But you know, we're a month and a half into this now. The world has changed. Everybody is on lockdown. You cannot turn on the news or open a newspaper without seeing anything about Corona. Honestly, it's the only thing going on and it's taking over our lives. Whether you want to admit it or not, this is on the same scale of a World War I or a World War II. We're not fighting people. We're not fighting another country. We are fighting Mother Nature. We are fighting a virus, which is even crazier because you can't understand a virus. You don't know what it's going to do. You don't know what the effects or what it can be until it's already over. Five years from now, if you recovered from coronavirus, what is your body going to do in five years? How is it going to react? If you're a woman and have that, are you still going to have kids? If you're an athlete, are you still going to be able to breathe the same? If you're a kid and you're going through your growth spurts, are you still going to have growth spurts? Is it going to be an extended growth spurt? You know, were you originally going to be like 5'10 and now you're 7'8? Who knows? Nobody knows. And instead of thinking it that way, we're thinking, oh, well, it'll pass. It will pass, hopefully. But we have to help it pass. We have to push it past. And if that is staying by ourselves distancing then do that pick up a phone and call somebody if you have to i have yes it does get depressing being by yourself and if you're not by yourself and you have your family i'm sure being around these little kids that just want 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 all the time can't get to you i'm sure it can call somebody skype somebody snapchat somebody email somebody facebook twitter all these things instagram you are not by yourself, really. You're not. In 2020, there are so many outlets to reach out to people or somebody to help calm you down or shelf anxiety attacks, any of that. So just keep that in mind. Let's stay sane. Let's fight this together. We are really in a time that is comparable to world wars. But this could be worse because you can kind of predict people or... You know, there's spies or, you know, a mole or something that tells something. And, you know, that's usually how they get popped off. Some captain tells a sergeant, a sergeant tells a colonel, and the colonel tells a private, and the private tells somebody else that knows somebody else, their game plan, you know, whatever, and something happens. That can't happen with the virus because the virus doesn't have a voice. We do have scientists that are trying to be mad scientists and crack the case. Thank you very much. Thank you for the health workers people in the hospitals, people on the front lines, the policemen, the EMTs. Thank you for all you do. You are amazing, definitely amazing. Going out of your way to save lives or help lives of other people is an amazing thing. And I don't think you will ever be shown enough appreciation of to what you're doing, what it really means. So at Edge of Your Seat Podcast, definitely a big shout out 
to all of you on the front lines doing what you're doing. Thank you. But I hope you're paying attention and you're realizing what is going on. Like this is nuts. I know we get tired of hearing about it. It's all over the news, but it's the only thing going on because it is taking over. So we have to stay together and fight it if we don't want it to be here. You can't just never mind it and be like, oh, it's gonna go away. Or you see a couple recoveries and be like, oh, that means we're doing well. I'm gonna go over to Johnny's house and we're gonna kick it for a little while and 14 other people are gonna be there and we're gonna party. One person has that virus, you all have it. And then you go home and everybody at your home, they all have it. And then that one person goes to work that wasn't at the party, but you would give it to them and is in a two to three feet distance around a couple people, that couple people have it. Then those couple people go home and give it to the, that's what has happened. That is what's happening right now. We have to stop it. We, us, as the society, as the people. So until we all get on the same page, we're going to be doing this for a long time. So I put on my seatbelt, I'm buckled in, and I'm just trying to stay safe and see what happens. Hopefully you guys are staying safe, staying at home, and listening to what we should be doing to try to stop this craziness. Corona is not the only thing we are going to talk about today. Sorry, I got into a spiel there, but this is very important. This is life changing. Our lives are now changed forever. What we can also change is our homes with renovations. Since we are spending a lot of time at home these days, you may start to see a few things that could be updated, whether it's a light fixture, or an entire kitchen remodel, Olson Construction is here to help. The family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty. Olson Construction specializes in roofing, siding, windows and doors, deck designs, remodels, and garage and room additions. Owner Keith Milas has been in construction for over 10 years and is willing and able to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction, which is fully licensed and insured at 815-910-5982. Olson Construction can also be contacted on the Facebook page, Olson Construction LLC, or by email, olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. There's only been a couple things to excite recently. You know, with not much going on in life right now because of the quarantine, we're looking for any bit of hope of something entertaining. Well, we've had a few recently. On Sunday, ESPN aired The Last Dance, episodes one and two, which is a 10-part docu-series about the 1997-98 Chicago Bulls. I've already said my opinions on it on the last episode, episode 75. I talked all about it before we got to the conversations with Don Williams and Diane Vanderkoy about Special Olympics, which was a great show. If you've not heard it, please go back and check it out. They were awesome. They are pumped up about Special Olympics and everything that they have been able to do. But I got into all my points about the Chicago Bulls documentary, episode one and two on there. I have done probably about eight to nine interviews. I did three and a half hours of interviews yesterday. Today is Thursday, April 23rd. On Wednesday, I did all kinds of interviews. That's why this show, which would have been put out on Wednesday, goes to Thursday. Sorry about the delay, but I had tons of awesome people to talk to about awesomeness. And the Chicago Bulls documentary, The Last Dance, is probably in, I'm gonna say, five out of those six interviews. It is kind of a time-changing documentary. 
So I'm not gonna speak much about it in the intros anymore. The cool thing is, is every Sunday will be the next two episodes, so you will hear me on Monday about episode three or four. But also exciting news in the sports world, Rob Gronkowski is back in football. After winning three Super Bowls with the Patriots, then he decides to retire last year, he's back. He's back. And he's not with the Patriots. The Patriots traded Rob Gronkowski in a seventh round pick to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for a fourth round pick. If you do not know what's interesting about this, then you must not follow football. You may have heard of a guy named Tom Brady who was the quarterback for the New England Patriots for quite a long time and won six Super Bowl rings for them. Three of them which were with Rob Gronkowski. The two are back together. This is going to be highly interesting because Tampa Bay already had quite an offense coming into this season. The wide receiver position, Mike Evans. Fantastic wide receiver, probably top five in the league right now. Bryant Mitchell, Chris Godwin had a monster year last year on a team with Jameis Winston as the quarterback, who is not on Tom Brady's level by any means. Tom Brady is 42 or 43 years old. He's getting old. He's got probably one or two years left in the tank. Justin Watson, Rashard Perriman, all capable wide receivers that can get yards, help win games. You add Rob Gronkowski to that, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may have the best offense in the NFL. Who knows about their defense? Who knows about the coaching and how this team is going to be led? But you have a coach on the field in Tom Brady. You have a crazy athlete with tons of experience in Rob Gronkowski. Sometimes that's all you need. You have athletes around them. They're in the NFL. They're all athletes. They know how to play football. It's getting the best out of them. When you have the GOAT, Tom Brady is the GOAT. He's the GOAT quarterback. The GOAT NFL player, to be completely honest with you, he's still playing. So if you're a player, a young player, and you're like, hey, I get the opportunity to play with Tom Brady. How are you going to take that? I personally would be very serious and perfect my craft for this season and however long Tom Brady is there, the best of my abilities. And I don't see how anybody else wouldn't do that. You have a chance to win a Super Bowl and to go down in history as an awesome team. You're already going to be talked about because of Tom Brady flipping over. Just like Joe Montana when he left the 49ers and went to the Kansas City Chiefs. We all remember that. Kurt Warner was a Ram, then he goes to the Cardinals. We all remember that. So if you're on the squad, you're going to be remembered already. Why not make the best of it? Why not? I sure know I would. With that said, also being that today is Thursday, it is the NFL Draft. A day to be excited about something going on live. They will not be in an auditorium, but we're still going to have picks. We're still going to find out where players are going to go to the teams that you love or hate or anywhere in between. Obviously, I want to know who the Chicago Bears are going to draft. But I also like to know who the Green Bay Packers are going to pick, who I hate. I do not like the Packers at all. My worst franchise in any sport. I want to know who they're picking too. I want to know who we have to knock out. Not knock out. This is not Bounty Gate. <laughs> not at all. But we want to know who we need to shut down. Another weapon or option for the Packers. Or if they get a lineman, the 6 8 three, 50, chunk of beef that we have to worry about getting around. I want to know. I love the NFL draft for those purposes. So this should be an amazing draft, especially with the Tua adventure. Tua is the top quarterback of this draft class. Where's he going to go? He's had injuries. Is he going to be able to fight through those? Was that just a thing of his college and younger careers and he doesn't have a glass body? What if he does have a glass body and he's picked as a franchise quarterback and falls on his face? Who knows? That is the drama. That is the excitement. 
That is the entertainment of the NFL Draft. This is going to be epic. I know I'm going to tune in for sure. Like I said, definitely appreciate you tuning in to Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Don't know where you heard this one, but you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Music. If you have any questions, concerns, just want to send us a note, a message, email us. Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, we are on social media. Like or follow our pages, please. We definitely appreciate that as well. Facebook is Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter is Edge of Your Seat P. We will be back tomorrow on Friday, and then next week we should be back on our scheduled programming Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Again, sorry that this went from Wednesday to Thursday, but I wanted to get all those interviews, and it just seemed like Wednesday was the time everybody could chat. So that's what we did, and it's going to be awesome. Well, until next time, peace. It was only a matter of time before the guest that I have right now was going to be on the show. As soon as I decided I was going to do a podcast, I was thinking about some of the guys I like to talk to who would be entertaining guests. And St. Bead baseball coach Bill Booker came to the mind real quick. Bill, thank you for joining us. I've been excited about this pretty much since October when I started this podcast. Brandon, thanks for having me. I, I enjoy listening to you, and it's nice to be able to talk sports for a change. Yeah, it's so crazy the time that we're in now. You, obviously, baseball coach, you have been coaching some level somewhere for three decades. This would have been your 32nd year, 25 years as a head coach. You do baseball, football, different levels, and now it's not here. Yeah, it's tough. It's, you know, even watching it on TV and being in the routine of going to the diamond, being in the routine of, you know, hanging with, with Beamer and Eastbus and the coaching staff and hanging with the kids and being with the team. That's probably the, the hardest part of me is just the, the regular routine that you're always in and always after that grind during the season and during the springtime. That's what's fun for me. And that's what we're really missing out on this year. And not only is it, you know, you missing out on the coaching staff, you know, the players. Time does not stop just because there's a virus here and, you know, we're kind of quarantining from life at the moment. So we're not spreading the corona, but, you know, the seniors are missing all the senior stuff, games, their final seasons, freshmen missing that freshman opportunity to learn and grow. Same thing with sophomores. All of a sudden, they're going to be sophomores are going to be varsity players next year regardless, and they never got the chance to warm up to get to that level so as a coach watching this happen how does it make you feel and your concerns you know moving forward you know it's an unprecedented time and and these kids are going to get thrown in the summer as we get through this and without being able to go through the spring and get used to our our system and the things that we do it's just a matter of i feel for all these seniors in the entire area these kids are missing out on this i know this will pass and they'll go out and do great things but it's really tough. The other morning, I was texting back and forth with Moon and Rouse and Obi, my three seniors that I have on the team, and, and you can tell that they're bothered by this, and they put in work, just like all the kids in the area have, and that's the tough thing, because they're prepared, 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 and then it got taken away. I'm not as far as those three guys, that Moon's going to Benedictine next year, but I told Rouse and Obi, I said, hey, go out on your own terms. Try to find somewhere to play, and I'll help you get there, just so these kids can do some of these things and go through some of these situations. I don't want them to miss out on this. Let's see if I can get their first names right. Is it Trevor Mooney? Trevor Mooney. Is it Matt Oldman? Yes, Matt Oldman. And it's Josh or Jason? Jared. Jared. Jared Rouse. 
Sometimes it's hard guys, to remember all these kids, but I, I did pretty well. You did pretty well with that. And, you know, it's it's not just those three guys who I'm really close with. It's it's all these kids in this area that you feel for them and the proms, like you said, and the graduations. And just even in my little world of teaching, just the interaction with the kids in the class. And I miss doing that. You can't do it on your computer. I'm bored putting things on a computer so the kids can get something out of health class, and that's what I've been doing for the last few years. Uh, you're cutting in and out a little bit. It's kind of hard to hear you at times. I'll be sitting in the basement. Maybe I'll just have to yell. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's what I haven't been doing much of. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this break is good for your blood pressure. My blood pressure is always good. It's a little known fact. That is true. <laughs> You've always been in good shape. Always. <laughs> Well, that's, that's why I can still coach this one. It's true. It's true. So we were talking about your seniors and, you know, seniors all around the area and actually nationwide. I mean, a lot of people are missing college and high school senior years. The area did something pretty cool on Friday where they turned the lights on for senior athletes and I guess senior students as well, just turning on lights to show like, hey, we're here for you. And you were a part of this as well, right? Yeah, we did it at my house. The, the campus is closed at St. Bede, and the, the traffic would have been an issue out there. So we individually, coaches, lit up our house and then, you know, basically got on social media for the kids. And it was, it was for the seniors. It was for the area kids. It was for, you know, all the essential workers and healthcare people that are out there working every day and dealing with this. And so if we can show our support in some way, I'm all for it. And sort of kind of beat around the bush. Like we said, you've been doing this for, you know, three decades. You've been in the classroom. You've been around these kids. Let's just kind of elaborate on, you know, your life just changed in like a snap of a finger. And now we're, you know, you're just kind of sitting around kind of wondering what's next. <laughs> it's like I got thrown into retirement and wasn't prepared for it. <laughs> we're trying to do our part. In my house, we're trying to do our part, trying to keep our social distance, trying to do our thing that way. And it is difficult. It's it's difficult to get an exercise routine in. It's difficult to stay focused and manage your time to get things done that you have to for your job. It's tough because you don't have the routine of the ball diamond and the and the fun and the competition and the interaction with the kids. It's just a it's a whole new situation for so many of us. And not only are you a teacher and a coach, you are also a father. How has that been with you know they're your kids, so you got to make sure they're safe oh. as well. Yeah, and that's that's difficult. I've got one. Cody's in New Mexico. He practices law down there. He's working from home. Haley is in Manhattan, Kansas. She's basically working from home, but doing some virtual things in an office. Kylie is a healthcare worker. She's still at home, but she works at the auto hospital. So she's going protected day in and day out and doing her thing there. And and Brady came home oh a couple weeks ago because University of South Dakota said. No more working out, no more anything like that. So, you know, the coaching staff still has their meetings. They all Zoom together and do their thing. And then Brady finds a place to get himself. And he's staying very disciplined with it. And I give him a lot of credit because this is a tough time on kids trying to stay prepared mentally as well as getting it done physically. And did all of your kids try to pursue sports after high school? Brady is playing football for South Dakota. Cody played baseball. What did your two girls do after school? Cody played at Upper Iowa, had a, had a great career. Haley was a cheerleader at Lindenwood and was the MVP of the cheer squad at Lindenwood University in St. Charles, Missouri. And then 
Kylie had an opportunity to go run at a JUCO in, in Iowa, and she said, you know what, I've had enough of school and I want to get into the workforce, and she made her decision and decided to do what she's doing now. So I give her credit, but yeah, all the Booker kids were involved in sports, and their mom did a real good job with them. What about their dad? <laughs> you know, there's a little story that goes along with it, the pushing, the running, the working out. The mom did a lot more than the dad did with that stuff. I always said, hey, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it. And they ended up doing it because they were around it. But my wife, I think, was a lot tougher than I was. <laughs> <laughs> so you were the softie. I don't know if it's softy, but yeah, she, uh, she kept on the straight and narrow. When I was gone coaching, I read something somewhere the other day when somebody said, what's the first bit of advice you'd give a young coach? And I read that the guy said, if you're going to marry somebody, marry somebody that knows they're marrying a coach. And my wife has done a great job with that. That's why I could stay in coaching for 32 odd years. Definitely. And what's your wife's name? Manuela. Definitely got to give her a shout out, don't we? Yeah. Good stuff. And she put up with you for this long. Oh, that's, <laughs> she's, she's a dick for that. Probably a saint, as Coach Eustace would say. <laughs> so what have you been doing with this i guess break of our normal lives what have you been doing to try to keep yourself sane and busy you know you try to get an assemblance of of a routine you try to get some working out done you try to do a little bit of running you try to do some calisthenics in that part of it i'm trying to keep myself busy i'm doing way too much yard work I'm cutting the grass way too many times. I'm getting my, you know, my lessons done for school and then interacting with the kids a little bit via computer, but it's, that's not the same, but they're getting their work done. And in a roundabout way, I still think this can help prepare kids because they have to be responsible for what they're doing. And so I hope that we're teaching that to them through doing this. And so there's there's a lot of things out there that are causing stress and causing pressure. Heck, on Friday, here's an assignment I gave my health students. I said, give me something that'll physical that will help you reduce your stress. And I got some great ones from the kids on what they're doing to try to alleviate stress in their own lives. So those are things that hope for the best for kids because this is, like we said, this is unprecedented times and we've never been through anything like this. And I hope we never have to go through it again. Hopefully never. I am kind of curious now, though, what were some of the answers? <laughs> well, from all the walking the dog to physical things to I had to give credit for a couple of them. One kid said, I'm doing arm curls with feeding myself pizza rolls. And another girl said, I walked to a car to get into the car to go to McDonald's because they know <laughs> that I'm, a, I'm not a fast food guy. And packaged foods, if you want to cut back, that's something you cut back on. And those two were the funniest ones I've seen. So that had me laughing. The arm curls for pizza rolls that is great <laughs> that is awesome <laughs> yeah and you know one more thing that i you know my mom just turned 90 this last week and so we're keeping an eye on her through all this virus issue things going on and she has an apartment in peru she spends you know a few months in arizona every year well this year she she got back just after this had come around so she came back and now we're just making sure that she's got groceries, that her garbage is taken out. So that's part of my daily routine, too, is to you know, basically check on my mom and everything's going good with her. So that's what's even more outstanding. Definitely. And, you know, when this first came about, the 
elderly and the young ones were the ones that were kind of targeted like hey this could happen to them more likely than somebody in their 20s or 30s or 40s or anything like that so with you saying that you had to take care of your mom was was that a worry when this came about i don't know if it's a worry because i always check in with her and visit with her anyway but just to make sure that she doesn't have to get out and put herself in a situation to possibly be around the virus and i've got friends that have elderly parents that are doing the same thing and so we're just taking the precautions like every american should be i think right now definitely definitely and just because i ask everybody else on the podcast since we're all sitting around or trying to find something to do are you watching anything cool on netflix oh my gosh my kids watch netflix all the time the office is on like 24 7 in my house (laughs) (laughs) i'm not a big netflix guy I'm a sports guy. If I don't have sports, I'm watching replays now. Heck, I'm, I might even be becoming a Sox fan because I, I don't get the Cubs Network now, and I'm watching the Sox win all these games in years past. I have watched quite a few of the uh, 2005 playoffs. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm watching. That was a good time, though. I was a fresh, maybe a sophomore. I was a sophomore in college when that happened. Yeah, those are, those are good times. I mean, just like with watching the last dance last night. Thank you for bringing up, because I was uh, about to get you know, there. If you've ever seen my jump shot, you'll know I'm not a basketball guy. Watching that brings back a lot of great memories, and I was a huge Bulls fan, just like everybody knew, but my kids were too young, and so now they get to see it, and I can talk to them. Brady and I watched it last night. It's cool to watch that. The last dance is, I think, going to just hold the nation's attention through this. Yeah, it's now appointment TV, and we have not had that in quite some time because there's usually so many different things going on in our lives, and we're always busy. So appointment TV is kind of not really a thing, and there's 8 million channels now, and there's Hulu and Netflix and Disney Plus and, you know, all these streaming services. Everybody's watching something different. But now, with the situation and where we're at, everybody is turning into this. Yeah, it's exciting to to replay again. It brings back a lot of great memories and where you were at when this happened or this game happened. I just didn't realize, and now thinking back, I guess I didn't follow it that closely, is how final this season really was. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. So yeah. in 97, when they're first starting the season or, you know, leading up to it in the summer, I'm 11 years old. I turned 12 in October. I knew the players. I watched the games. I definitely watched the finals or the playoffs, the last three-peat, all of them. I had no idea about the Scottie Pippen contract or how Jerry Krause was to the players or how the players were to Jerry Krause. I had no idea about any of that. So it's cool to actually, I guess, get informed or schooled of how it really was then. Yeah, the perspective with having a camera follow them around all season is just amazing to me. And who would have thought that that would have been a good idea and 20, 30 years later we're like, hey, let's make a docuseries. Yeah, and they had to win it for it to be that good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what did you think? You know, we've kind of been jumping around talking about this here, this there of the docuseries as a whole of the first two episodes. What did you think about it? What do you think is going to happen moving forward? So far, so good. If they would have put three and four and five and six, I'd have been a binge watcher of the ESPN network last night too. So I look forward to seeing it. It's amazing to see how little Scotty Pippen made. I've read a lot of things about Michael Jordan and I love his competitiveness and I love how he speaks frankly and I've always been a fan of his because of that competitiveness and how hard he worked. And Phil Jackson is just, he's a different cat, but boy, he got the job done, didn't he? 
Yeah, his whole career. I I think he's the best NBA coach ever. I don't think there's anybody that kind of stacks up to him. As little as I follow NBA now to see what he did in L.A., to see what he did with Chicago, those two with all the championships he won there, that's amazing. I know uh, some old school basketball people will talk about Red Arbach from the Boston Celtics, but right. I don't know. I wasn't around. I'm not that old either, so I'm going to go with Phil Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. Being from around Chicago, the Illinois area, or I guess the state of Illinois, you know, you always heard about, obviously, Michael Jordan, the GOAT, greatest player of all time. And then you would hear the other sides of him. You would hear about gambling and you would hear about how he was rude or that, you know, he really wasn't a nice guy. And I'm sure that this documentary will go into that a little bit, but Michael Jordan had a lot of director responsibility, so maybe not. But anyway... It'll, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because all those things you said, we had all heard about it, even with him getting out of basketball going into baseball, that there are reasons behind that as well for the 18 months he was on. So it's interesting to see where it goes with that. And that's, that's why it's must-watch TV, right? Yeah, definitely. But what I was getting at is, like, it's kind of cool to see him... You know, maybe he did get mad at his teammates and yell and cuss at them and practices and stuff, but he was the hardest worker. So it wasn't like he was the one sitting around and just blaming other people. He wanted them to get on his level or the closest that they could to it. So I think it's kind of cool to watch that. Right, right. I, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. So Michael Jordan is probably your favorite player. Oh, yeah. I mean, any any person that, you know, watched the Bulls during the 90s, that's, that's easily. What I have found out is that the legend of Michael Jordan and what he was able to do has definitely stuck around. Any time that I ask somebody that's still in high school right now, probably the last, I've been doing this for 15 years, I have not had very many people say somebody different than Michael Jordan when you ask them their all-time favorite player. True. You know, when you when you talk about the Bulls in the 90s, you can go in, and I'm being older than you, the 85 Bears, and that always comes up. And that was right when I was in college when they won the Super Bowl. So that, that too, is another Chicago sports team that has just stuck around and stuck around and stuck around. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of bad moments lately. <laughs> oh, brutal. <laughs> but I guess we can say that about the Bulls, too. I mean, besides the Jordan era, they get the six rings, and there really hasn't been much success since. No, prior to that and post-Jordan era, there hasn't been much success in Chicago. That was another thing that surprised me when they were talking about the cocaine bulls. I had no idea about that either. Yeah, they said they partied pretty hard in comparison to how they played on the court. So I, I had never known that, but now since that's been said, it's come out even a little bit more, too. Besides the last dance, you know, we mentioned White Sox World Series in 2005. Has there been anything else that you went back and watched? Maybe some high school film? I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of film. I just haven't done that yet. I haven't got on Huddle. And you know, our different state games, I find it hard to sit down and watch those for various reasons. And I just, someday I will, but I just haven't done that yet. And for those that don't know, you went to state three years in a row with three different teams, correct? <laughs> yeah, we went, okay, let me think about this for a second. In 2009, we went. In 2012, we went. And both those years, 9 and 12, were with LP. In 2013, I was an assistant at Putnam County because my good buddy Dave Garcia said, you need to be coaching baseball. And probably I'm baseball this year because of him. And him and I are still close friends. We went the state championship in Class 1A with Putnam County in 2013, 
And then in 2015, my first year at St. Bede, we went to state that year too. You know, seven, eight, and nine at LP, we won three sectionals in a row. And then in 10, we brought up some young guys because we were, we were rebuilding. And our young guys were the ones that in 2012 were state runners up in 3A. And so the, the plan worked. I just didn't coach after that year at LP after 2012. But I was lucky enough and grateful enough to get a job at PC for the one year and then 15 at St. Bede. And I'm going to be there until the end, whenever that happens. <laughs> Not anytime soon. I don't see it happening. You love <laughs> it too got, much. I've got one more year of teaching, and a lot of people thought I was done teaching at LP. I still teach at LP. I just coach at St. B. And so it, it's still the best of both worlds. It's a great situation. And so I've got one more year to teach, and then I'm going to continue to coach. And we'll just see what happens. I'm not putting any kind of time frame on anything. Definitely. No reason to. No. I did always think that was weird, though. After you, you know, quit coaching at LaSalle, Peru, go over to St. Bede a couple years later, and you're still teaching at LaSalle, Peru. Has there ever been any, like, issues or, you know, weirdness with that situation? No. I mean, kids are kids, first of all. What was really nice was the seniors of the, what was it, the 2013 LP team stayed in contact with me through the whole season. And I even think they won a regional that year. And it was fun. You know, they'd call me and say, hey, you know, what would you do? I said, I'm not your coach, but I'm rooting for you guys. And so that was nice there. Really now, the kids in my classes don't even know that I coach there. And so that's, you just, kids are kids. So you move on, you do what you do. It was a lot of fun going to PC. Think about this, being an Illinois Valley guy and having a chance to coach it, three of the most storied high school programs in the area, and I've been able to do that. Yeah, that's true. The runs we had at LP my last six years there were unbelievable. We won four sectionals in the last six years as an LP. That's a pretty awesome run. That's crazy. And and then the very next year to go to Putnam County, I go to the state championship there. And then in 2014, I'm not a good baseball fan. I watch a lot of baseball, and I followed my son all around, from Memphis to St. Cloud, Minnesota, to Western Iowa, when he played in Upper Iowa, I followed him all around. He got to play on the Big Ten Network, and they played against University of Iowa, so it was kind of a neat experience for him, too, and for me, but I wasn't a very good fan, and so when the job came open at St. Bede, I applied, and, and it worked out really good, and I can't thank them enough because they've been very good to me. That's awesome. I'm glad you went to St. Bede. We've been talking forever, so it was just kind of normal. Yeah, it, it, it's baseball, and I'm not going to change the way I coach. I mean, it's worked, and kids respond, and you put them on the spot, and it's it's been so much fun. It's it's hard to even call it a job, and and I like to make a little game within the game to try to set such a pace that even your opponents go, God, we've got to work harder to try to keep up with them. If we're making baseball better in the area, that's what, what it's all about anyway. I love working with the kids in the little leagues and the travel teams and the, you know, we have little camps and clinics for kids and I do them in different cities with our players. And it's just so much fun to meet as many kids and to play baseball with these guys. And, you know, I might be 56, but boy, it, it keeps you young. I know it's hard to, you know, take yourself out of the situation and then like look from the outside, but what is it about, you know, your coaching style or 
anything that has went along throughout this process that you've picked up the you know advice you heard from somebody else what do you think it is that has led to the success that you've been able to have a lot of luck and a lot of good players <laughs> you know i don't know we just get after it and yeah i'm enthusiastic and i might wear my emotions on my sleeve a little bit but you know my playing days date back to mendota little league baseball and pat beals he was a fun guy fun coach him and sam cook i idolized those two guys and from there on it went to mendota high school with dean Lubbs and and larry martins and into college and then when i got a chance to get the job i got to work with joe marini Chips Giovanni, Mark Siebert, Hubie Sarver, and all four of those guys are in the Hall of Fame, let alone an athletic director by the name of Brett Brown, who is also in the Hall of Fame. And so when you break in with guys like that, if you don't learn from them, you're not going to have success anyway. One of the things in today's world, I think you need role model coaches that have been around for a while to help. And I think that's where some schools struggle because there's always such turnaround. Yeah, definitely. And having a coach that has been there season after season after season, win, loss, whatever, it shows yeah. consistency and a love for the program and for the kids. Right. And that's the thing. You can get some great advice from how guys do things. I mean, Chips Giovanni did some things in the off season. I said, well, why can't baseball do that? And then I took a football approach because football coaches always had position coaches and broke down practice better. And... I took that into baseball, and we're enthusiastic, and we get after it. Our kids work hard, and I think that's why we have some fun. And if we rub some people the wrong way, then so be it. But look out, because here we come, and if you're going to be in front of us, we might run you over and try to get to where we want to get. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So, obviously, I was never in a practice with you. You were never my coach or anything like that. But what I have seen in practices and how you coached other people, and I'm not trying to pat you on the back or, you know, give you a big head or anything, but you were the kind of coach, or you are the kind of coach, that I, like, reacted to well. Like, if you were hard on me or pushed me, then that made me respect you more and like, hey, you're trying to get the best out of me. The coaches that were not like that were the ones that, you know, I really didn't, I can't say I didn't respect them, but I didn't listen to them or, you know, I had an attitude towards them where I probably shouldn't have had. Yeah, and and every kid's different. And I I can remember when I first started coaching, I was a screamer, I was a yeller, and it didn't all, it wasn't always effective. And there's certain kids it works with and certain kids it doesn't. And and now when I raise my voice and I get somebody with big eyes, I say, hey, hey, I'm not yelling. I'm just enthusiastic. And, and then you get a kid to look at you like, what's he mean by that? And that's always fun, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to be competitive and get amped up. Like, I think that's how you should be. If you can't get excited, then I, I think I should probably get out of a sport, right? Yeah, definitely. That's what I would think. Yeah, and so, you know, as as I've aged, yeah, I suppose I've, I've mellowed a little bit. At least some of my old players have told me, gee, coach, you really mellowed. And then some of the young players go, well, geez, what was he like when he was younger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from when I first came around when you were with LP to, you know, now the last couple of years with St. Pete, I'd say you've mellowed out a little bit. I think, you know, I think being a dad does that. I think putting things into perspective. You know, I'm just, I'm very lucky to be in the position I'm in. I'm very lucky to have the friends that I have, the people that have stuck by you, the people that have been in your corner. I've had some supporters from this area that have been just outstanding. I'm so grateful now. That's, I want to give back whatever I can because 
in 2012 when this changed, we didn't know what we were going to do. My family didn't know what we were going to do. And it was it was kind of a tumultuous time. And so what we decided is let's make the best of the situation. Let's keep going forward. And it's worked out pretty darn good. So I'm pretty happy with where we're at. And I'm, I'm glad the people, you know, in our lives are, are in our lives now for supporting us. We have established that you've been around for a while, have obviously had some great talent, got to state games, state tournaments, you got to sectionals, did a lot of awesome stuff throughout your coaching career. Who are some of the players that immediately come to your head when you're thinking about the greatest players that you've had? This has always been twofold because I think about the players a lot, and gosh, we had some good ones, but I also think about the plays certain plays that got us to where we are so so as i do that they may not have been the best players but we got great plays out of them at certain times and so you know players like brock keffer who got drafted out of high school by the anaheim angels he was one of the top ones he could do everything brooks Milwaukee, you may have seen him play got drafted out of high school unbelievable baseball player kurt kolchik probably the best all-around player i've ever coached Jared Olson at St. Pete, awful darn good, right? Yeah, at Michigan guys, State right now. Those guys, as you look at kids that I've coached, very good. But you think about plays like Dave Suarez hit a walk-off homer or hit a hit a home run in the top of the eighth inning against Ottawa in a regional game. And then the next year he hits a grand slam against Bloomington in a sectional championship. Those are two of the biggest home runs. I mean, I'm a dad, but I'm also a coach. When Brady Booker hit a three-run homer against Hall in that regional championship game, that was a big one. And so certain plays that you think of, I can still see Nick Plankenhorn diving at a super sectional game up at Illinois. And we had kids that made great plays, great players. I mean, that's... That's the fun part of it. Now, as we go back through these, and I've, on social media, I've got a lot of buddies going, hey, got any coaching photos or any playing photos or things like that. I'm going through a bunch of old photos of players that were just outstanding. Definitely. The one play that I'll always remember, and so will you and so will everybody else. It was on ESPN, was the play <laughs> at State, and you already knew what I was talking about. Yeah, and we've had that forever. We ran that in the super sectional with Putnam County and got a kid picked off at second. We ran it three times in 2012. We ran it in a one-nothing game. It was a real windy game. Down at a Galesburg tournament to win that tournament in 2012. That last year I was at LP. And so anybody that had ever coached against me knew about our different foot rotations, knew about our pickoff plays, knew about things that we sometimes have a little bit of fun with. So little do people know about that play, though. First, there's been like almost 8 million views. My wife still gives me a bad time. Don't you get a dime for like every view? I mean, I might be able to make a little bit of money that way. Little known fact about this play is we had a pickoff play prior to that where we wheeled behind the runner at first base. The same kid was at first base. I thought we picked him at first base. And Dwayne Rakestraw was the first base umpire. He called him safe. Jack Brady put the tag on him. Jack Brady thought he was out. He looked at the dugout room, and I've always wanted to do this. I jumped over the, the barricade and ran out and got to dispute a call on the state field. And I caught up the way that he told me he had the best look at the play, and he was definitely safe. And then I threw my arms up in the air, and I said, Dwayne, how could I even argue the call then? And then we both started laughing, but it looked like I was pretty adamant with him. 
So I go back to the dugout. The kid goes to second, and we're like, we can get this kid. So we ran that pickoff play, and it worked perfectly. <laughs> and there's been 7.85 million views of that play up to this date. Why don't we break down the play a little bit? Because it was like, it was like a movie. Like, it was watching it. I am in the press box covering the game and I'm watching this and I'm like I kind of bit for a second I'm like hold on he doesn't have the ball he the ball's right over there it was such like a movie like you're watching this and you felt like there was a camera somewhere so Kent Murphy would say let's break this down from a fundamental standpoint so what we'll do is the pitcher makes a hard fake the fall was something that Jared put in all on his own the second baseman and shortstop both dive for the ball, one in front, one behind. The bench, as they're diving, everybody in the bench is yelling, ball, 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 ball. The third baseman is pointing and then running back to the bag because the center fielder is going after the imaginary ball. The left fielder and the right fielder are both crossing into the middle as well. So as all that movement's going on, if the kid doesn't pick up the ball, that's what happens. Now... Jared should have taken just a little bit better angle, but in our video, he, he almost falls out and misses the tag when he does it. If he takes a little bit better angle, he gets the kid right now. Well, it was great. <laughs> it was great. It was on ESPN, and like you said, everybody has checked it out. It was a great play. Yeah, it, was the, it was the top hidden ball trick of the day or whatever. You know. And so that's the longest two-way state game in the history is that nine-inning game that we had and that Rockford Christian went on to win the state championship there. And we were one hit away from you know, possibly being a state championship there. We played an eight-inning game against Chatham Glenwood, home of Jason Worth, 2009, and we were one hit away from winning that too. And in 2012, team that beat us in 2012 for the state championship, six of their nine players went to Division One play baseball. Oh, wow. They had three juniors and three seniors. And we knew they were talented. Their record didn't show up because the kids didn't play all through the season because there were some, some other issues, but they were really good. And we only had one bad inning, or it was a 2-2 game. And so we had our chances. You may not ever get another chance. So I can remember every time we went to state, try to enjoy it. Even with the heartache of some of the things we went through with our extra losses and things like that. Being there is such a great experience that the kids will take with them for the rest of their lives. And that's why you do this. Are the experiences and the fun that the kids have and the camaraderie that they build. So that's my first 10 years. I mean, in today's world of coaching, we played for a couple of regional championships, didn't win them. It took me 10 years to win a regional, maybe 12. And then after that, it's been pretty good. But in today's world, I might not have made it to the second half of my career because people are looking for winners right now. Oh, yeah, you don't get much time to develop. No. And so I'm very lucky that I was brought up in, a, in an era where people, you know, stuck up for their coaches. They believed in you. That's why, you know, Brett Brown was such a great guy as an athletic director. And that's, that's why it's so good out of San too. One thing I want to add about that St. B team in 2015 before, you know, I let you go is I was also there with Kevin Klum, my boss at the time, and we we're sitting there looking at the stats and they're running the stats on the board before the semifinal game. And we're looking at the offensive numbers and we're like, how is St. Beat even in this game? And then we're watching the game and it was very close. 
tight game. You go nine innings, and you can see the fundamentals, and you can see the defense, and you can see the intangibles that helps teams get to the state tournament and win championships and stuff like that. And then we looked at each other and like, okay, now we get it. We understand. Yeah, and we even in the dugout, we made fun of each other for that because if you looked at our stats, we had two guys. Uh, Olson was 400, and I think Brady Booker was like 315. Yep. And so the rest of the guys were under 300. And it's, you know, if you've got the pitching, one of the best pitching, you know, as we talk about performances, Gabe Rayboy in that super sexual against Westmont when he shut them down, that's one of the all-time greats out of a kid throwing. That was one of the the best pitching performances I've ever seen. The first game at State with Mike Lynch in 2012 when he shut down a Troy Triad team that looked like the kids were all 22 years old walking in with beards. <laughs> and so that, those are things that will stick with me. I could go, that could take a whole podcast on its own and we could talk about kids from different eras because there's been a lot of good ones. And this area has always had good baseball. That's what's fun about it. Yeah, almost every school, especially, I mean, when I was at the local paper, we covered 12 high schools that had baseball teams. And if you look back, they're all of them. Every single one of those programs had quite a few players that you look back on and like, oh, he was great. Oh, that team was great. Oh, they went to state here. Oh, they went to state there. Almost every school around here is very rich in baseball, I guess, legacy. Oh, and the last couple of years... Marquette winning it last year in Hall. That 218 Hall hat is one of the best I've ever seen. Oh, such a great so, team. Yeah, what a team. And they had more Division One players on it on a team that we took to a 3A state championship game. Yeah. <laughs> so, so more power to them. And that's what makes it fun around here. And I think people should understand, besides baseball, the softball has been outstanding around this area too. St. Bede went to state last year. Yeah, yeah. Let's get back to the spring sports in 2021 and enjoy ourselves again. Yeah, definitely. I, I can't wait. Maybe they uh, extend it and it's like, hey, we'll play summer ball. I don't know. It probably won't happen, but it'd be good. <sighs> yeah, I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'm always trying to be optimistic, but I, I have a bad feeling because if there's no school, I don't know if they can do anything like that. And I don't even know if the contact hours are going to be there for the summer athletes either. That's what's a little bit scary too. So I'm sure we're going to have to work on that after the IHSA meeting, which is tomorrow. Yeah, I do not like to be the bearer of bad news. I also try to be as optimistic as possible. But the way everything else is going, the way things are shut down, no schools, they just stopped school from going back into session in classrooms for the rest of the calendar year. I really don't see it. I honestly am kind of fearful for football and fall sports, actually. So am I. I'm keeping my fingers crossed, and I'm hoping we can get to a good end of this, but I don't know if there is quite an end in sight quite yet. Crazy times that we're in. But we will fight on. That's our spirit, I guess. I guess we get it from the baseball field and just carry it on into life. <laughs> you know what? That's what sports are great for. That's what I want kids involved in sports for this reason, to become resilient, to be able to take criticism, to be able to take coaching, and to work to get better. And, you know, Somewhere along the line, you want it to sink in and you want it to help the kids, even if it's after their high school years, so they can be successful and be good community members and good parents and just, you know, good all-around people. I think that was message time and a great place to stop this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a great message and I totally agree with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
Yeah, I think it is. I think that's that's what we do what we do, you know, basically. Well, Coach, Book, Bill Booker, definitely appreciate you joining us. Brought up some awesome memories of the baseball field and, you know, talk some, I guess, remorseful sympathy for the seniors that, unfortunately, this is how they're going to go out in their house, not on the field, not in the classroom. But as we've said a couple times, Everybody is here for each other. We're in this together and trying to keep them as uplifted as possible, knowing that the future will bring good things. So thank you for spending some time with us. Definitely appreciate it. Brandon, thank you. This was really enjoyable, and I just want all the kids out there to keep the faith. You know, they have good work ethic. Good things will happen to them. So let's let's keep them in our prayers, and, and let's get through this together. Thanks.